Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, second half of the day is set to begin here in the NCAA tournament. Cofield and Company on the road, our Thursday home at Silver Sevens. March Mayhem is going on, 77 cent beers all through the tournament. Bottles of Bud, Bud Light, Mick Ultra. Two different bars here, Bud Light Lounge and Silver and Gold Bar. The last game of the early session, you know, there's a little lull in between the games. Last game of the early session, Illinois got close with about two minutes left, but Big Ten falls 73-63. I know a lot of Illini fans are disappointed in the season. They had Arkansas advances with Muss. They win by 10 one of the things I did do in this tournament was try to fade the Big Ten teams real hard because I watch a lot of Big Ten basketball, and most of the games are rock fights, and most of the teams, I think, are constructed poorly for the NCAA tournament, which would explain why there hasn't been a national champion out of the Big Ten for 20 years now. Um, I think the double big thing, true four or fives are a thing of the past, and there's a lot of grind-out rock fight basketball in the Big Ten. So, in this case, they fell short. Uh, Maryland did get by West Virginia earlier, 67-65. Um, Iowa is up now. That's the first game of the second half of the day. That one's 8-6 early. I really like Iowa, but I picked against them because they're actually they're a rare, really good offensive team in the Big Ten. They can shoot the hell out of the three. So, they can win this game, but they're going to have to make a lot of threes. But Auburn's leading 8-6 early on. Uh, big stories so far early in the tournament. We'll get to the upsets, and we're going to get to the big four here. But uh, Mount West Conference not doing too well until San Diego State finally won a game. Um, I decided to engage with a couple of uh, nameless jabronis, which I really don't bother. If you don't have the balls to put your name on your social media accounts, you're probably not worth talking to. But uh, a couple of people were going back and forth with me because I was defending the Mountain West and also defending what happens in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Virginia's year didn't suck because they lost early, right? Arizona's year didn't suck, and the Pac-12 is not overrated because Arizona lost a one-off. But most people are kind of stuck in that results-based thinking thing, and they want to overreact. So I've got a guy, I think, who's an Ohio State fan and another guy in San Francisco. If they're guys, they, they might be women. I don't know. They won't put their names on the account. But uh, they were calling me a casual earlier, so I was like, whatever, folks, whatever. They don't understand how salty, salty and bitter you are as, I, a, as a Rutgers alum after um, last night. No, they, what they don't understand is how <laughs> – two nights ago. Two what nights they don't ago. understand is how objective I am. Yeah. And that I, I actually – amongst people around the country, I probably watch as much Mountain West Conference and Big Ten basketball as anyone. And I'm not going to sit here and bash either league, even though I took a couple shots at the Big Ten. I, their brand of basketball I don't think leads to success in the tournament. And I've talked about the Mountain West too. The Mountain West – I feel like the entire Mountain West Conference, the teams are designed to try to beat San Diego State, which means they are big and strong, but they're accustomed to playing games in the 50s because that's the way San Diego State plays. I would love to see some teams break the mold and be you know, consistent. And I'm not, I'm not saying every team in the conference averages 63 points a game, but I think everything is designed towards power basketball. And again, like the Big Ten, when you get to the NCAA tournament, you got to freaking score sometimes. you got to play good D. But you also have to be able to score. It would be nice to see a Mountain West team constructed 
that is a combination of San Diego State and a running gun like who? Yes. The early running Rebels that played incredible defense but got out on the run and was a high-scoring team. I think that's what Kevin Kruger would like to do is be a great defensive team but also one that gets up and down and can score in bunches. They actually did score a decent amount of points this year, but unfortunately their defense wilted once they suffered a couple of injuries and they were a team that at times their confidence waned. All right, big four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four Number Four So welcome in ESPN Reno along with ESPN Las Vegas Red Silver Sevens By the way, tomorrow St. Patty's Day They got the green beer, free beads, free hats It'll be a big celebration here at Silver Sevens on Flamingo and Paradise So, listen, post-mortem on the Wolfpack Great job making the tournament, right? They made it as the last team in they just did not come out prepped. It just didn't look like they were comfortable most of the game against a solid Arizona State team. ASU ain't that good. 25 points better than the pack. Here's the good news. If Steve Alford and all his guys are getting along, right, which we know from year to year with a lot of programs that you don't know if everything's copacetic until the transfer portal opens, if they can keep the majority of this team together, they're going to be really good next year. Darian Williams, a local from Bishop Gorman and Sacramento, He's going to be a hell of a player. Will Baker has a chance to come back. Lucas can come back. McIntosh, who you know barely played, I think he still can come back for another year from Elon. They've got really good building blocks in Pettigrew and Davidson. Um, their big guard can come back as well. So they're going to be in pretty good shape if he can hold it together. And? Keenan Blackshear is a hell of a player. Depending on the num- what they have the slots open to fill go to the transfer portal they can go to the transfer portal and you know i this will be something i say every time we talk about the transfer portal and people complain that there's upheaval and guys are leaving there are a lot of times a coach will tell a player listen you're probably better off going somewhere else it's not just a one-sided thing where players are disloyal and impatient sometimes coaches are impatient and push guys out so i think Times are bright for Nevada basketball, and frankly, it's something that UNLV had. They, right now, UNLV has got to get to the level. I know UNLV fans hate hearing this, but you got to, you need to get to the level that Nevada has been at recently. They just made the tournament. UNLV hasn't in a long time. So I would think both programs should have a chance next year, depending on what Kevin Kruger does in the portal. It'll be top six in the conference, but a lot, a lot is going to happen here the next couple of months. Number three. Three. So good news today from uh, on the Darren, Darren Waller front. Uh, he is going to the Giants. That's not great news. But his charitable work in Vegas, it seems like it's going to continue with the Waller Foundation, which is awesome. I would expect we, nothing less. Well, you never know. You never know. Um, all right, so give me your thoughts. We haven't seen you in a couple of days. Give me your thoughts on Darren Waller leaving town for a third-round pick to New York. My thoughts are the people that are – tweeting or posting on Instagram, sharing stories and reels and whatever and saying, this is what you get, this is this, this is that. I, I you know, I, I get it. Starting from training camp last year, being at Mandalay Bay for certain times instead of over at games or what looked like a soft holdout um, and then, you know, being injured, someone having a mediocre year when he was healthy. There's a lot of things that went into last season. I get it. Um, but those that are out there hating on him going, this is what you get, karma, so on and so forth, uh, it's not that bad of a move for Darren Waller, number one, given the market. 
Okay, so you're going to New York. It's 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 not that bad. The Giants showed a little bit of life, and they can only get better. All we've heard during the offseason, since the season ended, I should say, um, was talk about quarterbacks, and all of a sudden Daniel Jones and what he's worth and so on and so forth. So uh, somebody obviously thinks he's of some value. I just don't overall think that it's a bad move to the market that he's going, and if it benefits both teams, then I'm all for it. Um you know, I, I don't know if I don't. I'm not sure. Just like with Derek Carr, I'm not sure if him and uh, McDaniel's ever saw eye to eye, and that was the guy. I think, you know, with the with the with the direction that we're seeing the Raiders go in the last, well, in the last week, um, it, it it probably was better off that he go anywhere but here, considering what McDaniel's is trying to do. To me, it, there's certainly a a look. It looks like him and Ziegler are scrambling right now to make sure they surround themselves with enough familiarity from the Patriots. It's one thing to come in that first inaugural season, the Patriots way, a couple of guys here, a couple there. But the way we're seeing it, they're a little feeling. They're feeling the pressure after one season. They're feeling a little bit of. Um, they're they're moving frenetically, if you will, to make sure that everything they do is in a comfort zone of theirs. And that's Patriots. Aaron Rodgers yesterday on Pat McAfee's show eh, subtly mentioned without saying his name that he would have loved to play with Devontae Adams, which means there was interest from Rodgers' side. Did the Raiders make a call? Yeah, that's been confirmed. Uh, Maybe the price was too high, but I'll actually go back to what you just said. I think Josh and Dave were very set on going with that angle, the familiarity angle, and to kind of not start over, but bring in a new quarterback and have that guy learn the system, even though it is one of the all-time great quarterbacks, was not in the cards, even if he wanted to be here. And even if the Pack, I don't, I think if the Packers had a lower price, I'm not sure the Raiders would pull, pull the trigger for like a second and a four. Did you, the, on the, I, I didn't listen to the entire thing. I, I was on a, I was doing, I was actually on a couple of Zooms yesterday, so I wasn't able to tune in live. Did he say, that he wanted, he was, he had thought about a reunion. That was the vernacular. The no, did he say he, I want a reunion with Devonte, or did he say Raiders? He was, he didn't say either. He wouldn't say Devonte. He just said he said there were other teams interested, and obviously there's a guy that I have a special connection with. I'm paraphrasing that I would have loved to play with. And then and then McAfee kept jumping in. Oh, you mean Devonte Adams? Oh, you mean Devonte Adams? And he didn't say no. Right. Well, yes, he well, he wouldn't say. He also said that he would have loved to play with, meaning. If those two could have met up at a different... See, I'm of the belief that that also means that he could have met up somewhere else. He specifically didn't mention Devontae, but he also didn't mention the Raiders. So it could have very well meant that if there could have been a deal where we could have landed in the same city, meaning one and done for Devontae in Vegas, I'm not necessarily convinced that that insinuation was that he was, that he was talking about Las Vegas. So... Well, number one. Do you have it, Ari? Are you sure you have the right cut? You want to go with it? Sorry, Willie just changed the plans there. Oh, boy. If you didn't hear it, you got to hear it. Going back in the Wayback Machine to yesterday's show. I Pulling up the cut. I think we all just assumed that that would have got done. I think that's why we're all thinking that it was no, you. No, not it. I say we just sit here and wait. Oh, okay. How active have you been in the whole process here, Aaron? Nope, not it. 
All right, top story. We'll get the Rodgers cut yesterday. It was one of the other guys on the McAfee show asking him who else was interested. Um, have you waffled at all on anything you've seen or some injury news late on the bracket you picked? Nope. Uh, well, well, other, I'm feeling pretty shaky about Arizona now because they're out. Well, yeah, but the other day when we were when uh, we were when we were going over our picks, and I said the best two teams in in the thing are Alabama and Kansas. How'd they do today? I think they did pretty good. So I, I'm convinced that you know that those are I like those two teams. Um, I feel I was invited just for friendly, you know, just to participate so I could be part of certain. And I think I'm, I probably did have Arizona one or two, but it was never a team that I thought could win it. I mean, I'm, I've been dead set on Alabama, Kansas. I think they're the best two teams in the tournament. Yeah, I thought Arizona could win it. I think Jay Billis. I know he had him for Final Four. I don't know if he had him winning the title. I think he had him winning the title. So there were a lot of people out there who were very high. On Arizona, didn't work out. They couldn't get by Princeton, and now Princeton. If you look in history, you know it's pretty crazy with the 15s and the twos. I, I sounded earlier, uh, sounded old earlier, like oh, it never happens, but it actually has now happened three straight times with a 15 over a two. You had St. Pete beat Kentucky last year. Oral Roberts beat Ohio State in 2021, and then of course Princeton has this really rich history. Willie, as you pointed out a little earlier, 96. They actually took out UCLA in the first round in a uh, typically low-scoring Princeton game, 43-41. There was one of the all-time great games of one of the giants of college basketball in Georgetown barely beating Princeton. They were down seven at the half, and they won that one 50-49. And as Willie mentioned earlier, 1998, UNLV actually lost to a Princeton team, 69-57. to Big Four at Four is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada. Offices in Henderson, Vegas, and Reno, 766-1400. Take two dribbles and you can shoot the ball. And if you can catch it at the midcourt line, that gets you pretty close. Clark will inbound. 2.4. They added a little bit of time. It's Beekman. Good if it goes. Furman has won. Furman has not been to the NCAA tournament in 43 years. And they pulled the first round upset. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. CBS, Kevin Harlan on the call there. Furman advances 43 years. Man, the heyday of Furman basketball, Willie, was, uh, what, before you were born, right? You're a young guy. Try not. 56 days till the big day. I'm counting it down. What's the big day? The birthday, or is it a special birthday? No, it just... Big day every your, year. Your birthday's a big Listen, day. Listen, I've reached the age, Steve, that if I get to the birthday, it's a big day that I didn't die. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's kind of morbid. I'm just saying. I mean, the amount of crap I put in my body about 30 years ago. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, there was, a, there was a lot rolling, of ingestion. You're rolling the dice every day. <laughs> uh, let's get into a little uh, more college basketball upsets in the brackets. I bet you Grant Rice has a really good bracket. He knows basketball. Grant, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, are your brackets alive? Did you do brackets? Because I had Arizona going to the uh, final, and uh, they're out. So uh, my bracket is kind of busted. Yeah, you know, I do brackets just messing around. Sometimes uh, when you think you know a lot about basketball, the brackets don't turn out so well. So um, I'm doing okay. I had Arizona win in the first round, of course, but I did have them losing to uh, Creighton, um, actually Missouri. So um, Missouri beat them, and uh, so, yeah. I'm not the biggest Arizona fans. I guess it goes 
way back to uh, the uh, Lute <laughs> oh, yeah. Olsen Park yeah. days. You remember those, Willie. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I usually don't root for Arizona. We had this conversation the other day regarding the uh, Nevada-Arizona State game because, you know, people are still so hung up on um, Bobby Hurley and what he did, and their hatred towards Steve Alford has been because of the coaching at New Mexico. They forget that he hit the game-winning shot when he was with Indiana in 1987 in that Final Four. But, yes, you're right. There was a long-standing rivalry for the longest time. When Remember when they couldn't get the UNLV-UCLA game? That was a big deal. A lot of times they wanted to have um, – uh, what was his, what was the coach? Jim Herrick and, and and Tarkanian, UNLV, UCLA could never get it, but we all would always get UNLV, Arizona. And back then, Lute Olson and the boys, they would beat the running Rebels. So them getting bounced, this should be there should be some happiness from running Rebel fans, the old school boys. I think so. That goes way back to the Matt Othick days, Bishop Court oh, High School. Matt Othick yes, and, Matt uh, Othick. When he decided to go to Arizona at the last minute and uh, and didn't become a running rebel, so yeah, a lot of history there. Midnight loot. Um, well, you know, I wanted to ask you first of all. I'm I'm I think you're doing well. I want to talk about Bishop Gorman's season and some local high school basketball. But how's your brother doing? You know what, Dave's doing great. Um, he's probably on. The, he, he might be done with golf today. I'm not quite sure. He'll probably uh, get 18 holes in and then he'll be watching games. He'll probably be following on his on his phone and. Uh, but he's doing great. You know, he's uh, playing a lot of golf, watching a lot of basketball, talking to a lot of uh, of head coaches, a lot of scouts and things like that. So he's just staying busy. But he's he's uh, he's happy. He's content. But, you know, he's he's definitely hungry still, you know. So uh, but he, he's good. I talk to him almost every day. You think he's going to get back into coaching? What does he tell you? You know, we hope so. That's his that's his goal. You know, I think okay. it was a good uh, a good couple of years off for him. You know, he was up at Washington, up at Nevada for a year after UNLV, and then at Washington for four years. And you know, this college basketball, as you guys know, it takes a toll on you. Coaching, <laughs> coaching uh, is you know you see everyone on TV, but um, there's a reason that a lot of coaches have hip injuries and knee injuries. You know, when they're coaching, and, and a lot of stress. So. You know, I think it was good for him to get away a little bit, and he's in a good spot. He works out every day. He's in the gym. I see him in the gym. Willie, you'd be proud of us. We, we get in there and, 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 and hit the iron in the mornings uh, up in the Anthem area, <laughs> and then he, uh, he gets on the golf course. So, no, he's doing really well. I'll be waiting for my invite for a lift. You got it. We can make that happen. We're not quite in your, uh, in your category of strength, but, you know, we'll, we'll give it a go going to throw both of the Rice brothers on his back and start squatting you guys. You're the powerhouse over here. Um, <laughs> yeah. what, uh, what kind of season did you guys have? I know you came up a little short of goals, but how did Bishop Gorman do this year? You know what? We, we didn't, we didn't uh, finish the season with our end goal, which was, of course, to win a state championship. But, you know, we were right there. We lost uh, a real close game to Durango High School, who actually ended up upsetting Bishop Gorman and then upsetting beat Liberty twice to win the, uh, you know, the championship. Uh, we were okay, you know. We, you know, we didn't reach all our goals, but we played a national schedule. Uh, I think we were on ESPN three or four times this year and had had some big wins and uh, traveled across across the country. Got our kids a lot of exposure, and that's really the main goal. You know, I've been doing this long enough where, of course, I'm competitive and I always want to win. But there is an end goal here, and it's, you know, we want to get kids to college. We want them to have a good experience, see different parts of the country, and, and go to college and and have a chance to play some basketball at the next level. Speaking to Grant Rice, head coach Bishop Gorman. Hey, uh, speaking of Durango beating Gorman, that is an old-school standing rival that a lot of people don't realize from when Gorman was on Maryland Parkway. Al LaRock was the coach over at Durango, Jeff Wagonseller at Gorman, and you could barely get into the tiny gym on Maryland. 
And, uh, oh, by the way, there's a Durango graduate who's sort of putting the Lady Rebels on the national map. I know you're paying attention to the UNLV women. You know what? I'm excited for Coach uh, Lindy LaRock. Uh, even last year, you know, I was, I was so happy with what she's done. Uh, she's done it the right way. She's got a mix of high school players, of some transfers, and, um, you know, just, just making everybody proud. I think it's great to see a local, uh, you know, someone that was a student here, a player here, uh, come back, and obviously her dad, Al LaRock, you know, a coaching, coaching legend here in Las Vegas. Yeah, that rivalry... You know, I, I got here towards the end of the Durango-Bishop uh, Gorman rivalry. We had some really good games in the early 2000s when I got here, um, but it was it was a lot of fun back in that old gym on Maryland Parkway, that's for sure. Speaking of keeping kids home, before we talk about one of your former players playing up north, uh, Kevin Kruger, keeping kids home, how have you seen the recruitment of local players? Well, Kevin's been, you know, he's Coach Kruger's been out and about. Um, I, I think... You know, when he first got got the job, you know, and this is just my opinion, of course, you know, I think the, the problem with college basketball today is, you know, you have to win-win now. You know, you win-win now. I've, I have a lot of good players at Bishop Gordon. we got a lot of good players here in basketball uh, in, in Las Vegas. And, you know, kind of the tough thing, and this, this is not about UNLV, this is about college basketball as a whole, you know, we'll reach out to college coaches uh, about some of our players who, who are Division One guys, high school guys, and the first thing these college coaches will say, well, okay, that's great, but do you have any guys that want to transfer that are in college right now? And it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a downer. I know that's the, the name of the game right now, but, um, you know, I would love to see uh, the focus on high school players once again. I think, you know, I think that's where the long-term success will come. And, you know, you see that from the Lady Rebels. Brian Rice is with us. Well, Willie was alluding to the fact that uh, Darian Williams uh, moved up north I mean, did you expect him to have that kind of a year? I mean, he turned out to be a hell of a player with a lot of upside for Steve Alford. You know, actually, I did. Um, I reached out to many colleges, uh, you know, for about the last year uh, when we were playing. And, you know, he didn't commit to, to Nevada until about March. Um, so it was after our season was over. Might have even been mid-March. So there were a lot of schools that, um, you know, missed out on him that we had told them about. And, um, you know, obviously he was the player of the year in the Mountain West. And, uh, you know, we're sure hoping he stays at Nevada because I'm not about transfers, but he will be a very popular guy, um, you know, when it comes to uh, to schools reaching out and trying to poach kids. You know, it's, it's kind of a sad deal, but that's kind of the reality of it. But, no, we're, we're very excited for Darren. You know, he was the Gatorade Player of the Year last year, and um, we knew he was going to be a really good player and uh, just a great kid and, uh, you know, really proud of him. How good is DJ Thomas? DJ Thomas is really good. I mean, he, he single-handedly, you know, he and uh, – Josh Jefferson last year, you know, they uh, they took away our uh, – we had won nine straight championships. And, uh, you know, we had beaten them three times during the year, all pretty good games. Um, and then they, you know, they snuck up us uh, up on us during the uh, state championship and they beat us. But DJ, you know, he controls the floor. Uh, he's a true point guard, you know, so wherever he ends up going, I know that's the hot topic right now with, with UNLV and some of the other schools that are in the tournament that would love to have him as their point guard in the next couple years. Um but he's a very good player. Comes from a great family. Obviously, you all know about his his dad and the history at UNLV. Um, but he controls the game. Um, you know, he's he, he's really a, a dominant high school player. We got two minutes here left in in this spot with Grant Rice. Willie, I wanted to roll Grant in a conversation you and Lee Strother had last week, and I thought 
I thought you guys laid it out pretty harshly about trying to keep kids home. Do you remember what you were talking about? Mm-hmm. The, just what Julian considered about the pressure and maybe too much negativity around the UNLV program? Yeah, one of the things he had pointed out, and he always pointed out, as you know, I'm close with the Strothers, but when they yep. were being recruited by Marvin was that um, for the crowd that was showing up for the program that sort of still was fledgling, if you will, the hatred that was being spewed by the very few crowd that was showing up it, it really played a big part in him not choosing UNLV. He wanted to go to a basketball love community, which from what his father told him, you know, it wasn't like that anymore because Lee, as you know, he grew up here. So um, that's why he, he, and he narrowed it down to Gonzaga or Marquette where there's no football programs. It's all about college basketball. As it turns out, you have a bad game up in Gonzaga, you're going to get hated on. But it was really about the hatred for the UNLV that the UNLV what, fans show. I'll, I'll ask you, Grant. What, what do you think? I mean, there's passion, uh, and then there's do we need to dial it down as UNLV fans? Like, it's a very fine line. You know, it is. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I'm a big, uh, big background at UNLV. Um, you know, my brother and I both played there and graduated from there. So, you know, we want to see it successful um, again. And I, I think – there's got to be a fine line. I mean, you know, there is passion, but, you know, it's not 1990 anymore. And I, I know that's kind of cliche to say, and we, we've talked about that, and you guys have probably talked about that on air, you know. Uh, Jerry Tarkanian's not coming back through that door. So um, there's got to be some growing pains with, uh, with the coaching situation, whoever it is, and, and, and there's got to be some patience. I know nowadays, just like we talked about with the transfer market, there's no patience in, in college basketball. Um, and everyone wants to win and win now, but – um, you know, you got to go and support the players. Uh, you got to come out to games first of all. You know that that's the biggest yep. thing is, you know, recruits don't want to go and see twenty five hundred people or three thousand people sitting there in the stands. So, um, the biggest thing is, you know, how do we get fans back into the Thomas and Mac? You know, that 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 should be the number one um, goal right away, and then you know everything else will take care of itself. But um, you got to have players. You got to recruit, 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 and that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, coaching is very important in college basketball, as you saw with, with uh, teams like Princeton today and, uh, you know, Virginia getting beaten by Furman. Coaching is important, but you got to have players to win games. I mean, I feel like there's probably not too many players in the league who don't know who Jimmy G is, right? So, And then he played as a Patriot. So I know who he is. I heard a lot about him. I heard about his personality, honestly, and I feel like that's probably the easiest thing, just a guy who's cool, calm, collected. Because I've seen him have good days, bad days, but I've always seen him with the same smile on his face. Take away the X's and the O's and the talent, I feel like that alone would be fun to play with. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Jacoby Myers, one of the newest Raiders, again, a familiar face from Patriot Land. 11 mil a year. A little over $30 million contract. Guy who had 96 catches a year ago. Good target to go with Devontae Adams. And Hunter Ren- Is Renfro going to be here? What do you think, Willie? It's a lot of money, a wide receiver. I know they just dealt Waller to clear some of the uh, the money issues, but Renfro staying? It's tough to say because now he becomes expendable. Um and we go back to what we've been saying is that familiarity and yes he he see he he wasn't necessarily a part he spent too much time injured last year so i mean to be a part of things to get into a rhythm to get into a flow he was more in a rhythm and a flow with Derek Carr 
So it's easy to phase him out, grab more picks. He he becomes capital, expendable capital, if you will, um, that better serves them than needing him. And 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 as you continue to stock up with uh, players, because I mean they've been signing. They just signed Philip Dorsett, also. So I mean. They're stocking up. It's all of a sudden. Remember last year when they did when they drafted and they had like six running backs in the room. All of a sudden, we were wondering about Josh Jacobs. They're stocking up this wide receiver room. Um, I know that they need to tighten the screws at the tight end position. So we'll see what happens in terms of Foster Morrow if he they lock him up. And I've been saying now. Here's the thing: is I've been saying that Foster Morrow, if they were to ever let Darren Waller go or walk, um, that Morrow would be just fine because I thought that he stepped up. For the role that he played, didn't have great numbers, didn't do anything splashy, but he he played, you know, he put in the blue-collar work when his number was called last year. So I think he, he may have done enough to prove his worth and comes at a discount. You're not really having to go pay a big-ticket price for Foster Morrow. So it, it might make sense to lock him up and use Renfro in trade. What do you think about his comments about Jimmy G is known? He's a known quantity. Everyone knows him. Well, he's not wrong. I mean, people know him. They don't, but do they know him as a winning quarterback? No. So, I mean, he's got a winning record, but, you know, they got to make things work here. He, let's not forget the programs that he played at. These were already built programs with, that had had success. This is a very troubled program that has that's been nothing short of a mess the past few years. So, coming in and, and being the guy in rebuilding from scratch, we're going to see if he has the metal to put it together. Here's Myers talking about the Raiders facility and his uh, first glance. Well, he's had a glance at Allegiant. It's futuristic, honestly. It's it's unlike anything I've ever seen. I'm I'm happy that I get to take advantage of it. Right. It's, a lot of things they've walked me around and showed me the training staff, the equipment staff, the weight room. It's, I've never seen anything like it. And I'm just really, really excited. That's really all I can say, honestly. Just excited. This is a cool story, too, with Myers because he wasn't a guy who was a blue blood coming into the NFL, and now he, you know, after hard work and productivity, he gets a big deal. I mean, that's something I won't ever probably let myself forget. You know, I remind myself every day just so I don't get too big headed. You know, at the end of the day, you still that undrafted kid from Georgia. So, but. Even saying that, it's still those moments is like, well, you are that undrafted kid from Georgia, you know? So it's some, it's some precious moments, you know what I mean? Some precious moments with my family. I know my mom has shed tears, my brothers, everybody. I know they're proud. I'm happy that I went through it, stuck it out. And it's just, you know, I'm, I smile, you know, when I think about it. Like, I'm grateful. Just thank God, honestly. So. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. We love getting Brad out on Thursdays. These are the days, though, where I'm like, I think we're bothering him. Because I just imagine him having, like, a wall of TVs and then an even bigger wall of screens for middles and doing all these plays. He's got a whole phone bank where he's, like, punching up all all his experts, texting. It's a communications haven for Brad Powers as he watched as the uh, NCAA tournament today. And a lot of stuff to break down early and also the uh, Quartetta games late. Brad, how you doing, buddy? Excellent. How are you? I'm good. I got uh, I got at least one winner from you, which we'll go over in a little bit. Appreciate that one, but uh, it's been interesting so far. Um, I, I thought one of the and I didn't bet it, of course. I thought one of the most obvious unders 
uh, of the day was going to be San Diego State in any game against any team, no matter how offensively efficient they are, because until you play San Diego State, you don't realize the kind of grind game it's going to be. And uh, that one wound up being a little fortunate on the side, but San Diego State uh, wins, they cover, and the game goes way under. Yeah, no, no question, Slugfest. I was a little uh, surprised myself. I mean, actually, there was some respected money on the over in that game. But I'm not sure that I saw that. A lot more action on uh, San Diego State, though. A bunch of professional groups there. And very fortunate to get that foul called. Although I did think a foul should have been called maybe three, four seconds earlier. I thought it appeared that they were trying there for a while. So, uh, But, uh, you know, make your foul shots. They did. They cover. So... Uh, my more aggravating thought coming out of that was, I mean, if you left, listen to the announce crew, they're like, this doesn't matter. They're up four. Well, I mean, are you <laughs> kidding me? It matters yeah. for oh, everybody no. watching this game right now. <laughs> How can we be this far into gambling being spread across the country and no one on the broadcast crew has a night? Come on, guys. It's part of the story of the game. I'll calm down. Uh, Arkansas takes out Illinois. It got a little bit close with a couple minutes left, but Muss's team was pretty much in control. Yeah, pretty much from start to finish. Uh, Arkansas team very dangerous, uh, even in the next round against uh, Kansas. So uh, I'm not surprised. I mean, again, it was one where I disagreed with some of the market move. Uh, there's some respected people on Illinois. I, I That was one where I, I was at least on the, on the good side there on the Razorbacks. Kansas beats Howard 96-68. They cover 21.5. I'm going to sound like just an an evil person here, but I actually said before the tournament, if we're going to penalize teams for having players who are hurt, are we going to see Bill Self in this tournament? Should Kansas have been a one? And what is, like, I don't know his condition. It's not like they're giving out the details. Like, how much do you worry? You just mentioned Kansas has a dangerous game. Like, Norm Roberts is a good assistant coach, but he's not Bill Self. Yeah, I mean, I think they did punish him. I mean, have you seen their region? I mean, Arkansas is a very dangerous Eight seed. I mean, I have Arkansas power as a top twenty team. So, I mean, if we're just going off pure power rings, they're more like a four or five seed. Connecticut, I think, is a top five or six team overall, not a four seed. And then you got UCLA, Gonzaga. I mean, they have by far the toughest region. So, I think they did get punished a little bit, the defending champs. Before we get to my biggest uh, or the biggest danger team for tonight in terms of upsets, let's talk about the big upset today. Princeton takes out Pac-12 Power Arizona, 59-55. This was a team, Brad, that, uh, well, it wasn't necessarily like the old-school Princeton days of defense. You thought it might be a little up-tempo, and, oh, lo and behold, they hold Arizona to 55 points, low-scoring game, and they went out right. Yeah, I mean, it really did remind me of that old school, you know, Pete Carroll uh, type of, uh, you know, offense, or at least the, the way the game flow was, particularly in the second half. Uh, I bet Princeton, I bet the under, although I, I didn't expect it to be that easy of a win uh, on both sides. And, I mean, let's face it, with 10 minutes left, I mean, Arizona was up 10, and I, I was not, you know, at that point, not even that comfortable with, with a plus 14-and-a-half ticket on Princeton. So what, what ended up happening was, I mean, Arizona's offensive possession in the last 10 minutes, their shot selection, the turnovers, everything offensively was an absolute disaster. I mean, six points in 10 minutes is incredibly futile for the Wildcats. Speaking to Brad Powers, um, the other upset of the day, Furman wins it outright as a five-and-a-half-point dog, but a 13 seed and very low number. There's a bit of an indicator there that um, this team, you know, should be getting some respect. 
Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit of that, but also, I mean, Virginia, from a pure power ratings aspect, shouldn't have been a four seed. They were probably, it should have been more on the six or seven line. I think they just got rewarded for having a good record in the ACC. We know the ACC's down. I mean, another surprise. I mean, if you flip that on with 10 minutes left in the game, Virginia's up double digits. You're thinking, oh, okay, uh, you know, just, you know, casual, you know, Virginia's going to advance, but... I mean, Virginia melted down the stretch, not once, but twice. They, they originally gave up the big lead, and then, uh, you know, they're up four with 20 seconds left, and they fouled. I mean, and then, obviously, the uh, one of the most incredibly stupid passes you've ever seen. I mean, if I had a sixth-grade son, and he pull, pulled something like that at the end of the game, I mean, we'd have a talk about it in the car on the drive home. I mean, you just can't do that in that situation couple of dogs tonight that I have my eye on, one being Colgate, but I think UNC Asheville can be dangerous just considering UCLA's injury situation. Jalen Clark obviously out. But the question on Adam Bonna, I mean, if, if he can't go, even if he does, UNC Asheville has a guy named Drew Pember who can mix it up inside and out and can cause some problems for the Bruins and stay within this number if not challenge them. No disagreement for me uh, on this one. I have that Asheville in this one. Uh, hasn't moved too much, so I, I think there's still some value at the current number. Uh, plus the, you know, the big 17 and a half, 18 points here. Uh, you're right, UCLA. I, I don't know what I'm going to get from the Bruins. I mean, this is relatively new. Not, not only Bonham, but obviously Clarkson missed the last three games. And, uh, you know, they, they got to the Pac-12 title game, but didn't come home against Arizona. Maybe, maybe Arizona's overrated. I mean, if you, your Pac-12 champions are already out, um, and maybe you got to start questioning the conference. So, uh, I, I I like Asheville tonight. Brad Powers at Brad Power7 up on Twitter. BradPowerSports.com has been uh, heavy into playing the NCAA tournament. To go back to uh, another final real quick before we uh, look ahead at the rest of the games aside from UCLA and, and Asheville, boy, uh, you know, a couple hours ago we're looking at, before the San Diego State win for the Mountain West Conference, we're looking at Mountain West Conference struggling, you know, posting an 11th straight loss in the tournament. Uh, Utah State. I knew you had your worries about Utah State, maybe Missouri a little bit in terms of the pace and the scoring at that time of tip, right? I did. I mean, it was just, I mean, keep in mind, 1040 local start time. And, I mean, you're expected. I mean, it was one of the highest totals on the board in the first round at 155. I mean, you're just expecting a lot. I mean, we just look, look back at last week. I mean, almost blindly, all those early start times, anything that started 2 p.m. Eastern or earlier, well, was bet down significantly in the conference tournaments, and we've seen some some of that similar uh, today uh, occurrence, with the exception being that one game. And I'm just not sure why. I mean, I get it. You had two top 15 offenses in terms of efficiency, but it's not like they both ran uh, super high tempo. So uh, I think the bigger takeaway there, uh, speaking of the Mountain West, is Boise's getting drilled already. Yep. I mean, I, even with San Diego State's winning cover. I still, I, I, they have to punish the Mountain West moving forward. <laughs> you cannot have this type of performance year after year coming up short. I mean, it's yeah. just a disaster. They're not supposed to. They're supposed to go blind resumes. They'd honored that the last couple of years, and uh, the Mountain West hasn't backed it up with a whole lot of wins. And as Brad said, it's 20-12 to 12 right now. Boise trails with 12 minutes left in the first half and they just look lackluster in this tournament and you know it's funny on social media i know you get this a billion times more than i do um you know going back and forth with people who of course don't have their names up on twitter but i was defending the mountain west conference and saying small sample and then uh two whatever things that were on twitter were, were piling on me and then one of them called me a casual and i'm like i don't know man 
I watch a lot of Mountain West Conference basketball. Maybe I'm not objective. Um, although, I, you know what? I did point out last year, I just and I said it to Willie earlier, I think the fact that much of the conference builds its roster to beat San Diego State and win the conference, those rosters are not built to win games in the tourney because while they're great defensively, a lot of times they're below average offensively. And, you know, Northwestern's a good offensive team. Like, you're not... You're going to have to score some points against them because they're willing to brawl with Boise. I mean, you need at least one or two go-to scorers. I mean, you just have to. I mean, I get it. You can bring your defense, and you like to be at least uh, consistent on the defensive end. But, I mean, sooner or later, I mean, big-time moments call for big-time players to make big-time plays, and I don't see it. I don't see a lot of explosiveness. Uh, it's, just, it's not uh, incredibly attractive basketball. I'll put it that way, watching these teams. Uh, game's coming up in the uh, latter party of the evening. What are you going to do with Northern Kentucky and the Cougars of uh, Houston, 18 and a half? Uh, yeah, I bet. I still think there's a little bit of value in Northern Kentucky. I've already bet them. Again, two incredibly slow-paced teams. Tough to get margin. Uh, Houston, I mean, I'm not sure how much you really want to play faster tonight in this game. So because of that, give me Northern Kentucky. Could we have another 13 taking out a 4 as Tennessee is 11 against Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns? Yeah, going to sound like a broken record, but I bet, again, the underdog here. Uh, underdog has been pretty good so far. Uh, I, the reason being, I, I mean, similar to UCLA, you got a Tennessee team that's been banged up. Haven't looked the same here down the stretch. Uh, I think at one point I, I would have said, hey, Tennessee's a clear cut, you know, maybe at least a 2 seed, but, uh, again, struggled. Louisiana's playing with some confidence, and, and anything over 10, right? give me Louisiana. 6.55 start. Um, I did try to fade several uh, Big Ten teams. I almost said Penn State. I did fade Penn State in this one. Am I on the wrong side? Penn State plus three. No, I lean towards Texas a and I, I bet the Aggies here. Again, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's my football bias coming into play, but I, I just think athletically superior SEC. We already saw it with Arkansas. Auburn so far so good up at the half against Iowa. I think somewhere tonight between A&M and Penn State. Let's get some more picks from Brad Powers. He's on Cofield and Company, bradpowersports.com, and at bradpowers7 up on Twitter. Always good convos going back and forth with betters and other uh, trolls. Um, let's concentrate on the early starts because I know this is a big thing for you. Um, right out of the gates at 9.15, we got Michigan State and USC. Like I said, I've been trying to fade the brawl ball of the Big Ten. Can USC take out Michigan State getting two? Uh, I bet Michigan State, uh, just uh, you know, pure numbers play on Sunday. I laid one. You know, I made it two and a half. So I, I don't see too much value there. But, again, you mentioned it, early start time. Very competitive game as far as price and expectation for me. So, again, I think a slow start. And if you don't want to bet full game under, uh, I think, uh, you know, first half under makes a lot of sense. Three fourteen game tomorrow, Midwest. Xavier, 12 and a half over Kennesaw State. Yeah, again, a broken record for me, dog, and under correlation here. Uh, I know Xavier wants to get up and run, and, you know, actually Kennesaw can run a little bit too. But, again, early start time, big uh, big underdog here that I think will slow it, actually slow the tempo a little bit. So even though the market's been against me on this one, I'm going to go under. One of the metrics people really like coming into this tournament was uh, going back uh, probably like 20 years now, uh, top 10 offensive team, but outside of the top 100 defensive team, uh, they don't have a great shot of doing a whole lot in the tournament. Baylor is one of those teams. They're ten and a half against UCSB. Another game where I've had dog and under correlation. Again, a broken record for me. Early start time. I mean, I'm anxious to see how both teams play in the elevation. 
particularly Baylor. I, again, I don't expect them. I mean, both offenses have the advantages over the opposing defense, but we've seen money come in on the under here. I agree with it. And again, I, I think in altitude, I, I'm not sure that either team wants to really have brought up and down the floor. All right, we got one minute. One more thing. I, your opinion on the first four teams, Fairleigh Dickinson coming in, catching a big number. They don't have to travel far. They go from Dayton to Columbus. Um, that Having that one game under the belt, could that help them against Purdue? Yeah, I'm not a big believer of this Purdue team. So, yeah, you know what? The problem is I'm not a big believer in Fairleigh Dickinson. I, I traded <laughs> that the first four and lost my butt, to say the least. But, I mean, they're the shortest team. The shortest team in college basketball. They're 363 teams. They're the shortest. And you got Zach Eady on the other side. So, I don't know if it's a good matchup for Fairleigh Dickinson. So, I am not. This is one where I haven't bet it. I, I will say this. I'm looking to fade Purdue in the second round. Brad? You're awesome. We appreciate it. Win a lot of money the next couple days. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.